Peace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written back in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, the 16th chapter, the 20th verse. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in church and you also who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. It is nice having you in church this morning, friends, and it is nice also to have you who are in the radio audience worshiping with us. That text that I just read has to do with a man by the name of Samson. And I'm sure that when I mention his name, Samson, that all of you say, yes, I know that man. Samson, that's the strong man of the Old Testament, the man that had superhuman strength, and you are right. That's the man we're going to talk about this morning. This man, Samson, was known as a judge in Israel or a deliverer. God had appointed him to deliver Israel from the hands of the enemy, the Philistines. This man, Samson, however, was a very peculiar man. There lived amongst the Philistines a very wicked woman by the name of Delilah. She flirted with Samson, and Samson flirted with her, and then Samson went to sin with her. Now he went to sin with Delilah for only one reason, and that was that he wanted to. He deliberately wanted to go and sin with her, and that's what he did. She, however, had been told by her own Philistine people that she was to find out the secret of this man's strength so that they could overcome him and kill him and thus overcome Israel. She questioned him at length and he lied to her, which he knew was wrong, but he did it anyway. And then finally in a weaker moment when she asked him again, wherein lies your strength, Samson? Then he told her, he said, before I was born, my parents dedicated me to the Lord. I am a Nazarite. I have taken the Nazarite vow. He said, no razor has ever touched my head. My strength, therefore, is evident in my hair. And so when he was fast asleep, she had the Philistines come, and they cut off the hair of Samson. And then Samson awoke, and we read this tragic statement about him, and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Samson got up, and God had departed from him, and the man didn't even know it. What a tragedy. God had abandoned Samson, and there wasn't one inkling of awareness. He wasn't conscious of it. He didn't know it. He was not cognizant of it. But God was gone, and Samson didn't know it. If we translate this into the New Testament, God speaks to you and me this morning, 
with regard to samson and in new testament terminology god says to you and me this morning the same thing that happened to samson that god departed from him and he didn't even know it is exactly the same thing that can happen to you and it can happen to me you and i can lose christ we can lose him and everything that we have in him the forgiveness of our sins deliverance from hell and damnation and the gift of eternal life mind you friends you and i can lose christ and not even be aware of it not even have an inkling you and i can lose him and be the last man on earth to know that we've lost him it is something that can happen to you and to me and to any christian you and I may say, do you mean to say that I can lose Christ and not even know it? That I can lose him unawares? That I won't even have the least inkling that he's gone out of my heart and my life? Do you mean to tell me that I can be a living condemned person? That I can be the last one to know it? And that I can feel that I still have him but that I may not? Do you mean to tell me that I can lose Christ and not know it? Yes. Samson didn't know it and God had forsaken him. We may say that's impossible, but it isn't. It is very possible because this thing can happen to you and me for the same reason that it happened to Samson. And we may say, why did it happen to Samson? This is it. Because Samson deliberately sinned. Samson did that which he knew was wrong. And therefore, you and I can lose Christ and not have the least bit of inkling that he's gone out of our lives forever. And the thing that can do it, the very demon that can do it, is that which we call deliberate, willful sin. You and I may say, can deliberate, willful sin cause me to lose Christ and everything that he's given me? and cause me not even to be aware of it, not even to know it, to be perfectly oblivious to it, to be the last man in the world, and to go on living in a fool's paradise thinking I've got Christ when I don't have... Yes, deliberate sin is the culprit that can do it. And it can do it because in the first place, let's know this, Deliberate sin has a way of blinding you and me to what we know, and that is that deliberate sin is very, very sinful. You and I as Christians, we're going to look at this thing that we call deliberate sin this morning. We're not talking about sins that you and I commit every day, sins of weakness where we don't give our consent to them. We're not talking about the things which we want to do but we don't, and the things which we have left undone, the things which we have done which we again did not will to do. By deliberate sin, this is what we mean. Deliberate sin is that sin which you and I do because we want to do it. Deliberate sin is that sin that you and I don't have to do. We know it's wrong before we do it, but we choose to do it. We say, I do it because I want to do it. And we say to ourselves, you know how sinful, how wicked that is. 
When God says, I am the Almighty God, thou shalt have no other gods before me, deliberate sin says, says you, God, you mean to tell me that I'm going to do your will all the time? I am not going to do your will. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you make something of it. God says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Deliberate sin says, oh yeah, I'll take your name in vain any time I want to. And when I choose to do it, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyhow. And you make the most of it. That's deliberate sin. Deliberate sin means when God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You and I say, says you, God, I'll go to church when I want to go to church. And when I don't want to go to church, I'll not go to church. And what are you going to do about it? I will do what I choose to do, what I like to do, and you can do what you want to do. God says, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. And you and I can say, honor my father, mother, I should say not. I will not obey them. I don't choose to obey them. I know that I should, but I'm not going to do it. That's deliberate, willful sin. It means we know it's wrong, but we do it for only one reason, because we want to do it. And that's why Samson did what he wanted to do, because he wanted to do it. And when God says, thou shalt not kill, you and I may translate it into hate and say, I'll hate who I want to hate, and I'll keep on hating them. I'll hate them because I want to hate them. And you, God, do something about it. And God says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you and I can say, I live only once, and I'm going to live just as immoral as I want to live, and as I choose to live, and I'm going to do it because I want to do it. And God, you try to stop me. Thou shalt not steal, I'll be just as dishonest as I want to be. My business is going to thrive, and what do I care whether I'm honest or not? I choose to be dishonest, and God, you make the most of it. God says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, and I'll lie about my neighbor when I want to lie about him, and I'll not speak the truth in love about him. I'll do as I please. And when God says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, or his wife, or his manservant, or his maidservant, you and I say, I'll covet whom I want to covet and what I want. I'll be just as greedy and jealous and hatred and avaricious as I want to be. And I'll choose to do that. And God, you make the most of it. That's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about deliberate sin. You and I know how wicked it is. Why? Whenever in your life and mind you and I do that which we know is wrong, Whenever you and I say, I do it because I want to do it, I don't have to do it, but I choose to do it, in that moment we dethrone Christ. We tell Christ, Christ, you're no longer my master. You're no longer the Lord of my life. I am the master. Get out of here. You know that as well as I. But you know, it's a strange thing. Whenever we embark on a life of deliberate sin, whenever we say, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyhow, that sort of blinds you and me. It blinds us to the maliciousness of this deliberate kind of sin and it makes us feel that it's not too evil that a Christ doesn't go out of our hearts somehow or other and therefore again this is a possibility and this can happen to you and me that we can lose Christ and lose everything that he has given us and not even know it and live in a fool's paradise because deliberate sin when it blinds us to its evil it takes Christ out of our hearts and it blinds us so that we aren't even aware that he's gone. And then it deceives us and tells us, oh, he's still there. You're an important person. Uh, you're an exception. Christ wouldn't ever leave you. 
And we say, oh, I still have Christ. I can go out and live in liberate sin. I can do as I please. He hasn't left me. I'm not aware that he's gone. Therefore, I still have him. Everything's all right. He is my Lord. Oh, yes. That's what Samson thought. But he wist not. He didn't know that God had departed from him and had abandoned him. Oh, if we could just write this on our hearts this morning, it can happen to you and it can happen to me. I don't care who you are or who I am. This can happen. It's a possibility that can come into your life and mine that you and I can lose Christ as our Lord and Savior, lose every blessing that we have in Him, and not even be aware of it. Just not have the faintest, slightest idea that He's gone and live in a fool's paradise and not have Him. And when we admit that this thing can happen to us, then ought not this be the time to stop and to say, what about this thing of deliberate sin? Oh, you and I sin every day, not deliberately. Again, we sin in weakness. We don't give our consent to so many things that we do that are wrong. But is there anything in your life and mine that we do because we choose to do it and we know that it's wrong? Let's look at it. How about it? Taking God's name in vain. How many of us take his name in vain, in profanity, in dirtiness, and we simply besmirch God's name? How many of us do it because we want to do it? How many of us say, I don't go to church and I don't intend to go to church? Is that in your life and mine? How many of us say to ourselves, honor my parents, no. How many of us hate? How many of us this morning have got hatred in our heart and we feel exceptional? We're a different person. God says he makes an exception and therefore Christ still lives in our heart. May I tell you, he does not. If there's hatred in your heart and mind this morning against anybody, let me tell you as sure as God lives, Christ is out of your life. He's gone. You're living death and damnation even though you don't know. That's for you and for me. We're living in immorality. I don't care who you are. We're doing it because we want to do it. And if we're doing it because we want to do it, may I say we're blinded. We're blinded. Christ is long gone. You and I can say not only can it happen, it has happened. It happened to Samson. It happened to Samson with Delilah. That man lived again as a slave to his passion and to his lust. He lived for sexual immorality. This man, Samson, when again he gave in to Delilah, he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. If there is deliberate sin in your life and mine this morning, let's not pull any punches. Christ is gone. You and I can shout to the heavens, Oh, he's in me, I know. I pray and I go to church and I get money, yeah. But it's blinded you and me. He is not in your heart and mine when there is deliberate sin, believe me. That's the word of God. Oh, Samson. We say to ourselves, God says, What happened to him can happen to you and me, can it? Yes, the, again, the little trickster, the one that plays the trick is this thing that we call deliberate sin.
and that deliberate sin means this that i know it's wrong but i do it because i want to do it because i get pleasure out of it because it satisfies me and bear in mind that this thing that we call deliberate sin it can cause us to lose christ and not have the faintest idea that he's ever left us to revel in the idea and say to ourselves oh he still lives in me and he's gone and not have the slightest inkling, not even feel again that he's ever left us. You and I can be living in a fool's paradise, the last one in the world to know it. Why? Because in the second place, let's know this thing called deliberate sin. This thing has a way of blinding you and me to something else. We know the damnableness of deliberate sin. How damnable is deliberate sin? How damnable in the sight of God is it when you and I deliberately willfully do that which we know is wrong just because we want to just because we choose to well it's so damnable that it meant that god's only son had to come out of the ivory palaces into this world he had to become a human being without sin and he had to go to the cross of calvary and he had to take the guilt of our deliberate sin and its punishment and he had to bear hell and damnation for that sin of deliberate willfulness he had to die for you and me and bear hell the damnableness of that sin for you and me we had to be died for now you and i know that that it's damnable to say to god i don't care i'm gonna do it i know it's wrong but i'm gonna do it anyhow what happens when we do it you and i know the moment in your life and mine when we do that which we know is wrong we take back from christ the guilt and the punishment that he bore for us and we put it back on ourselves we say to christ let me have it and we put it on ourselves and when you and i take from christ the guilt and the punishment that he bore for us and put it back on ourselves he can't stay in your heart and mind that kind of rebellion he can't stand when he says you don't want me anymore when you no longer let me be your savior and you take it back on yourself i must abandon you i must leave and this deliberate sin it blinds you see it blinds because it offers so much joy and satisfaction for us that it blinds us to everything else and it blinds us to this damnableness and so deliberate sin it takes christ out of our hearts and it blinds us to the fact that he's gone and then it deceives us into saying you're all right buddy just as long as you use the magic words i'm sorry every day he'll never leave you he'll always be with you oh you know it's strange individuals who live in deliberate sin how many have said oh I, oh I, I ask for forgiveness i tell him i'm sorry every day i even cry about it i cry at night and i tell him i'm so sorry for the things that i've done wrong that i know are wrong and again you say well therefore i know that he lives listen what good is saying i'm sorry and even a bunch of tears when tomorrow you and i if we're living in deliberate sin we know we're going to get up and do the same thing we did today what kind of sorrow do you call that if that isn't hypocritical sorrow i never heard of well, that's the magic word but you see deliberate sin says did you say you're sorry oh if you said you're sorry that's all you have to do everything's okie dokie oh okay now you're all set as long as you told them today you're sorry and if you can cry a little bit that's a lot better well, that isn't repentance what happened to samson can happen to you and me 
and if we say that to ourselves this morning then it happens through the trickery of deliberate sin winning your life or not we choose to do that which we know is wrong we don't have to but we do it because we want to do it that's the reason when we admit that this thing can happen that we can lose Christ and everything that he stands for and everything he's given us and not have the slightest inkling that he's gone to be absolutely unaware of his being taken from us and absolutely to feel to ourselves that we have no realization we have no sixth sense that he's with us it can happen through deliberate sin it's a damnable thing when this morning you and I say it can happen to you and it can happen to me and no one is immune then if we again see deliberate sin in our lives then this is a good time right now to repent and to repent as we should repent what happened to Samson when they saw him in weakness they tied him up and the first thing they did they gouged his eyes out they blinded him you see they were smacking themselves in revenge we'll blind this weakling and they put him on display they took him out and he took the place of the horses and the mules and the donkeys he ground out the grain in the threshing floors they used him as an animal a blind man but in that blindness in that suffering samson began to realize what he had done he began to realize that because of his life because of the way he lived what he did that was wrong he came to himself and it was through suffering what about repentance what do you mean ought not this be the time in your life and mine when we say if there is deliberate sin what is it what is the deliberate sin to repent oh listen it's the hardest thing in the world if you and I are hating somebody this morning the reason we're hating is because we want to and we're getting a thrill out of it can you take it out of your heart this morning and me out of mine if it's there and can you lay it at the cross of Christ and say I'm sorry if you can it's the hardest damnable thing you ever did in your life you might as well cut your eyes out there isn't anything listen there is no repentance without suffering you mean to tell me if you've got another woman on the spring and this is going on and this is the day when you say that's deliberate and I'm going to stop it. You mean to tell me it's easy? You've never done anything harder in your life. You might as well cut your right arm off. There is no repentance without suffering. Whoever told you it was easy? Could we this morning before God and man say this is deliberate sin if there is one? and lay it on the altar and say, God, I'm done with it. You might as well cut your heart out because it hurts. Samson had to have his eyes gouged out before he came to his senses. Then and only then can we know that it didn't happen to us, that if Christ left, he's back again. Because only when we are free from deliberate sin can we have any assurance that Christ lives within us? There is no assurance in saying, I'm not conscious that he's ever gone. He must live within me. You and I can lose him and lose him and be the last one in the world to know it through deliberate sin. And when again, we can lay them at his altar this morning like pulling teeth and cutting out an eye or cutting off our right leg or an arm. Then we can say again, it hasn't happened I have him 
then will not have this disillusionment. Imagine what it means to die and to say, I've got Jesus, he lives in my heart, yes he does, and yet here we are, as the old hymn says, deluded souls that dream of heaven and make their empty boast of inward joys and sins forgiven when they are slaves to lust. What would it mean to stand before God if you and I would die and say, Oh, he lives in me, and Jesus, look at you and me on the day of our death. I never knew you. I left you years ago, and you know it. I left you years ago, deliberate sin. You drove me out of your life long ago. Can you imagine any disillusionment that would be more horrible than to think we're saved and to stand before our Lord and to have him say, Depart from me. I don't know you. I left you years ago. Oh, what happened to Samson can happen to you and me. It's an ever-present possibility. We can lose Jesus Christ, every blessing that we have in him, and not even know it. Absolutely be unaware of it, not be mindful of it, have no sense that he's gone, and live in a fool's paradise and say, Oh, yes, I know that he lives, and have him gone long ago. Why? Because the culprit is deliberate sin. Not only does deliberate sin bind you and me to its sinfulness and bind us to its damnableness, but also this, deliberate sin binds you and me to the horror of our deliberate sins, but oh, never to the horror of the deliberate sins of others. Oh, you know, talk about deliberate sin. Talk about something that can do some trickery in your life and mine. You see, this thing blinds. When I embark on a life of, of sins again that are deliberate and again are willful, it blinds me that I, I don't see my sins. But, oh, God, do I see the sins of others. You know, have you ever wondered about this? Just you have a deliberate sin in your life, and then you see it in somebody else, and, oh, you ought to listen to yourself. You can look at, look at that guy. Look at the way he hates. Oh, you never got so much righteous indignation. Look at that woman chaser. Look at that guy that breaks up a home. Look at that guy that doesn't care about his kid. Look at that skin flint in business. Look at that guy that would take the pennies off a dead man's eyes. What are you doing? You're castigating him and damning him. Why? Because... You're never any worse on them than it's down in here. We call that in psychology projection. You see, we get relief, take ours that bother us, and throw our deliberate sins on somebody else, and then just wail into them. Makes us feel better. We get them told, you see. We make it look like they've got a great big plank, and ours is just a little old piece of sliver. That's projection. Oh, how it can blind us. And then it blinds us in this way. When it does that, it takes Christ out of our hearts. It blinds us to the reality that he's gone. And then it turns around and it deceives us into saying, we're just so much better than others that Christ would never think of leaving us. If you want to get a self-righteous binge, you and I can get it in deliberate sin. And then just project it on somebody else and wail the tar out of them and get them told. Because again, makes us feel good down here because there is no blasphemy, there is no sarcasm so great that when it comes from somebody who is guilty of deliberate sin, who sees the same sin in somebody else. Talk about blinding us. It 
can handle. Yes, it happened to Samson. He, again, he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. And if you and I this morning can say it can happen to anybody, we can lose Christ and not know it, be the last person on earth to know it because of deliberate sin. Therefore, we ought to do this. We ought to every day in our life turn to Christ and pray for strength that when deliberate sin beckons that he gives us the strength to say, No, it's wrong. No, give me strength. I know it's wrong. I will not do that which I know is wrong. I don't have to do that which I know is wrong. I don't choose to do that which is wrong. Well, what about old Samson? Samson, when his eyes were out and they made an animal out of him, he let his hair start to grow again. And they say, what about him? Well, there was a big celebration down in Gaza. The same Gaza you're reading about today, the Gaza Strip, I was in that neighborhood too. Think of it, over 3,000 years ago, Samson was in the city of Gaza, and they had a temple there to their Philistine god, Dagon, in Gaza. He had been in that building, evidently, when he still had his eyesight. They're pretentious temples, if you've ever been in that area, made out of stone, tremendous buildings, and a little boy let him in. He was on display. And he knew that there were two center pillars that held up that magnificent temple. And on the second floor that day, we were told about 3,000 people were on the second floor, let alone those on the first floor of that temple. It was filled with people. He asked the little boy to lead him back so he could lean against the two pillars that kept the second floor of that building, and the little boy did. Then Samson slowly put his arms around the pillars. This man, repentant now, he, again, his hair was growing. He had taken back his Nazarite vow, and he prayed to God. He knew that his life would go too. And he asked God, oh God, give me strength that I can deliver Israel from the Philistines as you want me to do. And God gave him strength, and he started to pull on those pillars toward him. And slowly, with the strength that God gave him, they tumbled, and the roof came down. And oh, again, the deaths, the leaders of the Philistines were killed, and Israel was delivered. We may say, was Samson saved? How about him, a man when God abandoned him and he didn't even know it? Well, you know, it's wonderful you go to the New Testament to find out. We wouldn't know if we just had the Old Testament. You go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the 11th chapter. You've never read it, you want to read that chapter. That's the hall of fame of the men of faith of the Word of God, the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, in the 32nd verse, we find the writer of Hebrews says, And what shall I more say? He says, Time would fail me. He's talking about the heroes of faith. Time would fail me, he says, to tell of Jephthah and of Barak and of Gideon and of Samson. Samson is mentioned in the Hall of Fame in the Word of God. Yes, he made it. God came back to Samson. Because he came back to Samson, if it should be that we've lost Christ, and we aren't even aware of it. Oh, to turn in repentance for deliberate sin. It happened to Samson, but God came back. And Christ 
will come back into your life and mine when we repent with real suffering and ask him for strength. And then it, it matters not what comes in life and the emergencies of life. We'll think how, how death comes into our home, all oh, the clashing of two automobiles and there's death in the moment of an eye. Or death, we go in the bedroom and we find a loved one dead. We, no time of preparation, you and I can say, how can I be ready for that emergency that I'll, I'll be given no warning? Oh, this. But when again I know that deliberate sin has been taken to the throne of grace, and that therefore I can know that Christ has not been taken away, that I still have him, then nothing else matters but we can look forward to an eternity with our loved ones who again have conquered in this thing of deliberate sin. Oh, then we can sing and we can know it for certainty. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. And when he tells you and me then that we are his own, we can believe it. We can know it for certainty when in him we have conquered deliberate sin. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.